0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I remember when I was seven years old and I asked Jesus to come into my life. I remember watching Shows, TV shows, whether it's evangelist or worship services. And every time people, whether it was Billy Graham or whoever, every time people did the altar call. And people came from all places and backgrounds to come and choose to follow Jesus. I'll never forget, Mom, I'm sure you remember, I would just cry. And God planted something in my heart at age seven that just is so moved and touched when people say yes to Jesus. I had no clue God was going to call me into pastor ministry. I had no idea. So much so I went to college for theater and performance. So much so that when I graduated, I became a professional performer. At Sight and Sound Theaters in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. I had no idea that God was even going to call me to pastor worship, let alone in 2015, say yes to the crazy, stupid call of leading a church. I don't mean stupid in a bad way. I mean crazy stupid. You know what I mean? And um, thank you. Uh, But it was that heart of seeing Jesus touch a person. I'm a person to decide to lay it all down and to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. And I'm now 43 years old. And it never gets old. It never gets old. And you know, I I don't want to give you the image that at age 7 when I accepted Christ, I was as obedient as my children are I was a wretch. (laughs) I was a pain in my mother and father's side. And uh, I loved Jesus. But throughout my life, through junior high and high school, I pursued so many idols in my life to figure out who I was. And it really diffused that passion in me to see others come to Christ. And it wasn't until 1998, this will date me, but 1998 was my freshman year of college in Wisconsin. And I'll never, ever forget it, of when Jesus reignited that love inside of me. It was like a pilot light that was so dimly lit and all of a sudden the furnace kicks in. And that's when he called me to ministry. He called me to lead a creative movement of worship that brings life change to thousands. Whatever that looks like. That is my call, is to create an atmosphere to present Jesus in such a way that people are drawn to come and drink from that well. And it looks different than other callings and other visions. I don't know why I'm saying this, but that's my heart. And so in 1998, I opened my heart wide open in every area of my life to Jesus. And I'll never forget the excitement I knew I had to be baptized and I was at seven but it was just a different relationship with Jesus at that point I was ready to lay down all idols not be perfect but all idols and I'll never forget I was more I was more excited than anything else I've ever experienced maybe a very extremely close second was watching my bride come down the aisle. But as my feet pierced the Mississippi waters, two weeks before it froze, by the way, (laughs) I knew I was dying to myself and all that this world has to offer. And I knew my identity was now hidden not in my past, not in my sin, not in my struggles, but was hidden in Christ alone. And nothing could ever and will ever change that. However, I did not have it all together. And I wasn't even close to figuring it out. But I was starting a journey in following Jesus with my life and becoming more and more and more like him, often through my mistakes and failures and repenting and turning to him. I was being discipled by many in my life, and I was being conformed and changed into the image of Christ. And that will never stop on this earth until I see him in his fullness for who he is in eternity. As I was waist deep in the water and of course trembling, whether it was freezing cold or just trembling in my spirit, I knew I was willing to count the cost to follow Jesus. I didn't know what it looked like But in 1998, October 30th, I was determined to be all in for Jesus. And since then, I haven't looked back. All I knew was Jesus had captured my heart. And Jesus was more precious and more valuable than anything this life could ever give me. And I chose to follow him. Bumps and bruises, hurts, habits and hangups and all. And his grace and mercy is a powerful thing that keeps us walking step by step each moment. Can we agree, and I would love for you to participate by saying yes if you agree, Can we agree that there are many, 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 many things in our own lives that blur the understanding of what the cost of following Jesus truly looks like? Can we agree? It's blurry. It's shady. And especially with a lot of feel-good churches that don't really dive too deep into tough messages, it's hard to know what it really looks like to count the cost of following Jesus. It's so much more than a Christian t-shirt. It's so much more than a bumper sticker on your vehicle. It's so much more than even telling someone you're a Christian. Would you agree that there are so many things in our lives, our lives, that stand in the way of walking a path of practically and sacrificially following Jesus? Am I alone? Right, Yeah. yeah, it's hard. Can you agree that the social media platform is probably not what Jesus had in mind when he said, Come follow me? We agree, but yet that perspective is real. Sure, I like Jesus, I like when he blesses my life, I like this scripture but do we follow him with our life? Can you agree that just doing the right religious activity, including baptism, if it's not done with the right motivation in the heart, is not necessarily aligned to the original design of the invitation where Jesus says, come follow me, right? It's called religion. Jesus did not come to instill religion, he came to instill and develop a covenant through relationship with him. Do you believe and agree with me that living in this western world in the 21st century can make it incredibly complicated and difficult to understand what it even means to be a disciple of Jesus? we very rarely in the secular world use that word disciple. We use other words in the secular industry. But the principle stays the same, is to follow someone or something. Everyone is following someone or something. And if it's not Jesus, They are on a wide road to destruction. But Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the light. And no one can come to the kingdom of God except through me. That through me is a very narrow road and very few follow it. I'm speaking to people today. Can we agree that the pace of this 21st century American life, with all its demands and distractions, seems to completely, viciously go against Jesus' cross-bearing mission on our life? We often don't carry the cross. We carry our comfort. And we carry something called self-righteousness self-pursuit, Self, self-identity. And yet, the call that Jesus gave over 2,000 years ago remains the same for anyone who believes and receives Jesus Christ. And it is to deny yourself to pick up your cross and follow him with your life. Pray with me. Jesus, we we desperately need to know and understand what this call actually means to us. Holy Spirit, you are our helper, our comforter, and our counselor and teacher. We know that we can't understand the things of God without you. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you now within all who have said yes to Jesus and all of those who you are calling to say yes to Jesus. To rely on you that you would open our eyes and that we would adjust accordingly to you. Touch my lips, my heart, my mind. Bring life change through the power of your word, through the power of your son. And through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. In order to properly count the, cross, the cost, as that video so beautifully did, in order to truly say, I have decided to follow Jesus, and I'm not turning back. In order to truly, genuinely, and inwardly do that. We have to understand what it is we're doing. Parents, I think you can agree with me. It's something to just tell your kids to do something. If I'm gonna tell my son to build a birdhouse, and I don't instruct him and walk with him and show him what a nail is, and how the hammer is supposed to be handled and hit the nail, that birdhouse is going to look like a pile of wood. Maybe in his mind it's a birdhouse, right? But I have to not only tell him, I have to instruct him and show him. So that not the information, but the experience and the understanding brings transformation so that when he's older and picks up a hammer, he's able to not hit his hand. And he's able to make something beautiful because his father showed him, taught him, and allowed him to experience it. So in order for us who desire to follow Jesus with our lives, it's not enough. What? No, it's not. Let me tell you this, though. Salvation, through Jesus Christ, is free. It is spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's done. It's more than enough. It's called grace. Grace is undeserved favor. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And yet it has been freely given. All we have to do is believe and receive it. But to follow him, to live your life following Jesus, will cost you everything. Everything. We're going to see that in just a moment, but before we do that, we need to understand the background and the power to Jesus' words, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In 21st century, he would probably say this, come, follow me, and I will make you disciples of me that make more and more disciples. He used the term that those men understood in that day. So the Jewish culture, and this is where most most of the disciples had gone through this system, so they understood those words when Jesus spoke them. So almost all boys and girls would go to a Jewish school from toddler age to about age 12, they would learn and memorize the Torah, the first five books of it. How would you like your children to learn the first five books? Literally memorize it. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy by the age 12. Then most of the students would be done after that grade. Girls, Would literally go and study under their moms and other women to learn what it means to be a mother and a housewife in that day starting at age 13. Many girls were married at age 13 and began giving birth to children. The men at age 12 that didn't continue with school they would ask study under their father or grandfather to carry on the family trade. So school stopped for almost all of them at age 12, but there was a select group that continued on in the Jewish education system. And these were young men only ages 12 to 15. Now they would memorize the entire Old Testament, the Torah. And they would learn and study by a full-time teacher. And once they were done at age 15, almost all of them would then move on in life and continue doing what they're called to do. There was a very, very, very elite and elect group that would be invited to the process called Tel Medim. Tel Medim, can you say that with me? Telmedim, that word from the Greek is translated disciple. However, English translators will tell you that even there's a more accurate word in English that's used for telmedim, and it's actually called apprentice. Apprentice, to apprentice a rabbi. So these Talmudim's would go through a process where there was all different kinds of rabbis. Rabbis are teachers of the law. And these rabbis would interview all of these young men, age 15 and up. And they would drill them and try to eat them for lunch. They literally would toss everything at them. And by the end of the interview, if they saw the work ethic and they saw the knowledge and they saw the skill and they thought that one day you could also be a rabbi, they would then say these words to the Talmudim apprentice. Come follow me. And I will make you a disciple of the law of the way the law of Moses very few had that call but so many people lived for that call and so then they would go and they would do what the rabbi did and there was three steps that they would do in this talmudim experience once the rabbi asked the question and you committed to it you were committing to three years say three years How many years did Jesus do ministry? Okay, just just put that in the back of your mind. Three years. And they had to do three things. They were literally, they left their families. They left everything. And three years they studied under this rabbi. What would they do? Well, the first thing is, is they would be with the rabbi 24-7. They slept in the same room as the rabbi. They ate what the rabbi ate. They were a part of every Every meeting and every activity that the rabbi did, probably other than the restroom. They would walk the dirt roads that the rabbi would walk. And the second goal of a Tel Medim, an apprentice, was that they would not only be with the rabbi, but they would become more like the rabbi. They studied his inflection. They studied his vocabulary. They studied his theology. They even looked at his gestures and how he comes across to where people would know who you're following based on how you acted and lived. They would know, oh, he studies under this rabbi. He studies under this rabbi. And the greatest, greatest, greatest blessing you could ever receive as an apprentice was they would say, may the dust of the rabbi, overcome you. Meaning that as you followed him, the dust from his trail would consume you and coach you. And now, Jesus has come to fulfill the Jewish law. And so, it's not by surprise that Jesus came as a rabbi in the Jewish culture. They called him teacher, rabbi. And so Jesus went around to the 12 and he always said these words, come follow me and I will make you a disciple of the way. Do you know that disciples, especially after Jesus rose again and ascended to the heavens, they weren't called Christians. Two times in the New Testament, Christian comes up. They were called followers of the way because they understood what an apprentice or a disciple was. And they committed their life, even to the point of death, to follow Jesus. And so this starts to make sense because they understood what counting the cost was. So after these 12 disciples began to follow Jesus and Jesus was doing healings and miracles and teachings, more and more and more and more people, hundreds of people wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus was seeing this. So finally he called out and he said in Matthew 16, verse 24, he says, if any of you wants to be my disciples, if any of you wants to follow me, You must give up your own way or deny yourself. Give up means let it die. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You cannot take on salvation and the Lord's resurrection power if you don't die to your sin nature. And I had this thought this morning. Could be spirit-led. It could be the boiled eggs I had. But here's the thought. Following Jesus by picking up your cross, denying yourself. For some of you, this illustration may work. To pick up your cross means to pick up a shovel. And in your life, every step, every moment, every dream, every pursuit, you are digging your grave. You are digging a hole for your sin nature and your flesh and your ways and your desires and anything of the world can be buried in that hole. That's what baptism is. It's a burial. It's a burial. So when we carry our cross of sacrifice, we are sacrificing every step of saying, I'm dying to this. (laughs) I'm dying to this. I'm going to die to this and die to this, to your very last breath, in this earthly body, you will be dying to the flesh. And the more and more and more and more you bury your old life, the more and more and more and more the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. But if you give up your life for my sake you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If you have your Bibles turn to Luke 14. Luke 14 verse 26 through 32 says this. If anyone If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, it may not be on the screen. That's okay. If anyone comes to me and does not hate their own father or mother. Wow, this is harsh. Or your wife and husband and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Jesus is saying this. Then you cannot be my disciple or tell Midim. What? Some of you, yeah, it's easy to hate this, 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 this. That's what he's saying. Let's stop for a minute. Jesus begins with a truth statement. If you follow me and want to follow me, you must hate all other relationships. Then he follows up with a metaphor to explain what he said. This is the beautiful thing about the Word of God. It gives us some guardrails so we don't misinterpret the text. So many people peg Jesus for being too harsh and a hater of people to tell you that you must hate your mom and dad. I don't hate you, Mom. But what he says here is so important. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Now Jesus is starting to mean something. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, verse 30, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish Or what king goes on to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation, negotiation, and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce everything That he has cannot be my Talmudim. Friends, family, visitors, there is a cost to following Jesus. Don't be fooled. Maybe you came to a church and you said the sinner's prayer. You came to the altar. I don't, I'm not the judge. I don't know if you were genuine or not. You you may have been completely genuine and said, Jesus, I need you to save my life and come and be Lord of my life. That is only the work of Jesus Christ's death and burial and resurrection in your life. It's grace. But the moment you get back on your feet, you are a new creation. You are made in the image of Christ and you are given the Holy Spirit so that you die to that which is old and you live for the kingdom that you now have been adopted into. Does that make sense? But you are called then to be a billboard and to live as a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus. Going through the movements and doing what Jesus did does not save you. His grace and his mercy and his blood shed on the cross saves you. But following him and starts growing more like him shows others who lives in you. That's it. If not, it's just words. It's just information, it's not transformation. Many of us come and say, Jesus, we want you, but then we pick up our flesh and we do what we want to do in our lives. That's called the world. And the cost of following Jesus is three things. And we're going to do those three things right now. I encourage you to write them down. Take snapshots of the screen. But this is carrying us on for the rest of February to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus individually, what it looks like to follow Jesus next week as a community, and what it looks like to follow Jesus the following week in unity as a church. And then in March, we're going to start our our real-life communities, which is our small group vehicle. And the teaching series is going to be three parts. In March, it's going to be practicing the ways of Jesus in prayer. Prayer doesn't save you. Prayer doesn't make you necessarily a Christian. Prayer is one way of being obedient. And drawing close to Jesus and becoming more like him. Then we're going to look at Sabbath of what it looks like to rest in this crazy, busy hustle of a world. And then we're going to look at what does it mean to fast in order to draw closer to God. I say all that because practicing the ways of Jesus is stepping forward of counting the cost. But you can't step forward and count the costs until you really receive and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And you decide to follow Jesus and not turn back. The first way, the first cost that we need to count today, the first cost is you need to be with Jesus. If you are going to follow Jesus and you have believed and received Jesus is saving grace, and his Holy Spirit now dwells in you. You are a temple of the Holy God with his presence living inside of you, as if Jesus was with you today. Jesus even told the disciples, he says, a better person is coming. That's the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you. He will guide you and instruct you in my ways. He will always lift me up. And so the Holy Spirit is that form of us walking in the ways of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our discipler through the word of God, leading us and guiding us to know Jesus and to grow more like him. Write this down if you have notes, Colossians 3.10. That's what Paul says. He says, put on the new nature every day as you get to know the creator and grow more like him. That's discipleship. So the first cost is this. You must be with Jesus. How many marriages thrive and last for years and years and years if they never spend time with each other? Sure, we date each other before marriage. We can't get enough of them. I, I, I lived, <laughs> when I was dating Lauren, we didn't have cell phones. We had phone cards. Remember those things? that's all we would ask for for Christmas was phone cards. We would go through 600-minute phone cards every week. It's because we talked to each other. We were in different states. But we loved being together. And if we ever stop that, it shouldn't be a surprise that things start to diffuse and disconnect and grow cold. And in order to follow your rabbi Jesus, you must be with him 24-7. That means he is with you. But it's a cost. It's a cost. He has to be your number one desire. He has to be your everything. He's just not a sticker or a Christian tag to identify you as a Christ follower. It's Jesus plus nothing that gives you everything. It's Jesus minus the world, minus myself, that makes me a follower of Jesus. It's not simply Jesus is in my life. That's great. Jesus needs to be in your life. That's salvation. And it's by grace. But if it stops there, you've missed the call of Jesus. It's Jesus has my life. It's I'm following Jesus with my life. And my life now is a sacrifice. Romans 12, Paul says, Therefore, by the blessings of God and the mercies of God, I appeal to you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and righteous and pleasing before me, for this is your spiritual act of worship. We have to present our bodies and sacrifice it on the altar. That's not easy. But it's doable through the Holy Spirit. What's it cost you to be with Jesus? Well, it costs you your dreams. Yes, God wants to give you the desires of your heart and maybe those dreams that you have are from him, but sometimes they're not. What about your career? What about your struggles? What about your desires? What about your children? What about your wife or your husband? What about your struggles and your addictions? If you are in Christ, they're no longer yours. They have been buried and crucified. And we have to continually throw them in the burial grave in order to be with Jesus. Social media, the things that we consume, We have to take an inventory and ask, is this being with Jesus or is this being in the world? What am I consuming? Because what you consume, you will think about. What you think about, you will dwell on and begin to believe different things about what you think about. What you think about and dwell on and what you start to believe about yourself will then come through as fruit of behavior. Who are you following? It always costs something. Your priorities, your wealth, and your needs are supposed to be found in Jesus, alone. That's what Jesus said to the rich young ruler, go sell everything. He didn't want his money. He wanted his everything. Because he knew that this young man, if he did not sell everything he had like the other disciples, he would not be able to lay his life down. In order to live in Christ, you must die to the things of this world. Your time. One of the biggest things we hear, maybe from ourselves, maybe from others, is what? I don't have time. I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. I said that all the time, to make excuses of not spending time with Jesus. And finally, those excuses came to bite me because I realized, no, I make time for what's important to me. You are the ruler and controller of your time. You are. So we need to go through our calendars and we need to go through our commitments and we need to go through how we manage our time and we need to make sure that we are following Jesus with our time. And lastly, of this point of being with Jesus, the cost is it will will cost you prioritizing relationship with Jesus above all relationships. This is what Jesus was talking about. A lot of us in America don't experience this. But all over the globe, there are people making a decision to follow Jesus with their life at the cost of losing their entire family. Don't believe me? Go watch YouTube videos. The family rebukes them and banishes them. Sometimes especially in Iraq lately, women who choose to follow Jesus will have their children executed in front of them. There have been women and men led to the execution place knowing that they're going to see Jesus in just a few minutes and they're not turning back. Something had to happen in their lives to where they're willing to lay down everything because Jesus has captured their life. And when he becomes everything, nothing else compares. And Jesus gives a promise in Mark 10 to those who make the decision to follow Jesus and lose everybody. He says, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children and property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times. You think Jesus isn't going to reward those who choose to follow him, though none go with them? So we are called to follow Jesus by being with Jesus. That looks like literally being in his word, looking at who Jesus is. Testing for yourself, it's Jesus who he says he is. It also inquires you to have other people of the faith to walk with you and disciple you. It's you saying, yes, Holy Spirit, come and change me. Come and teach me. It's dying to the world and saying yes to the things God has for you. Number two is the cost of following Jesus is you will grow more like Jesus and less of the world. Sadly, We're living in a day, and Revelation tells us about it. We are living in a day where there are so many people who have the form of godliness, yet have no power. They think they're Christians. They talk like Christians. They go to a Christian church. Yet they don't follow Jesus because they don't. You can't become like someone you don't know. And you can't become more like someone you don't spend time with. So when you become more like Jesus, it's the cross before me, the world behind me. 1 John 2 says, do not be lovers of the world. For it will all fade away. It's passing, friends, like sand through your hands. The only thing that will stand the test of time is the cornerstone, the rock of Jesus. It's the only thing. You must die to the world and the things it offers in order to follow Jesus. This is tough stuff, I know. This is what Jesus preached. This is what Jesus requires. The past and the things of your life do not define you anymore. But the Christ in you, the hope of glory defines who you are. Some of you need to hear that today. You are not a failure. You are not a depressed person. You are not an addict. You are not a nobody. You are not worthless. You are Jesus Christ's own. You are God's child bought with the price of Jesus. Your identity is in him, not the world. And yet we so often find ourselves following the patterns of this world but we're called to be conformed and transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yes, I'm doing this. I'm passionate. Jesus is your identity. I know I'm going a little long, and guess what? I care, but I'm still going. Because this needs to permeate who we are. Please tune in on this. I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying this. The disciples and the apostles are saying this. And I mean this with so much love, every ounce of love that Christ has put in me, I say this, and I'm not trying to hold guilt, but this is just truth. Jesus is your identity, not your past, Not how many marriages were ruined. Not your career. Not how much money is in the bank. It's not your dreams and your children don't even define you. Your circumstances don't define you and your politics don't define you and your sexuality does not define you. It's not who you are. Jesus defines you. Everything else is just a part of your life and how you express yourself. That's why it's so hard to reach some worldly secular communities because they take their platform of what they're trying to say is right and they make that their identity. It's never been their identity. Their identity is either the world or the king of the world. The king of all ages, Jesus Christ. He defines you. Young adults, your pursuit for a spouse does not define you. Your pursuit of a career that is going to be established and carry you forth does not define you. The only thing that defines you is where your soul finds refuge. Who is on the throne of your life? So because your identity is Jesus, you wanna become more and more like him as you spend more time with him. And in order to become more like Jesus, you must become less and less and less of the world in yourself. That's where Paul meant in Galatians two twenty, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's that shovel. <laughs> it's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives within me through the Holy Spirit. And number three, the cost of following Jesus is you will do what Jesus did. But you can't do what Jesus did genuinely if you haven't become more like Jesus. And you can't become more like Jesus if you don't spend time with him. And you can't spend time with someone you don't know. Though none go with me. Still, I will follow. We live in a culture that we won't do something if it's not accepted by others. It's not what Jesus taught. That's not what's going to be said of the remnant that stays loyal to Jesus, though all churches have to close and persecution comes into America. It's coming. But Jesus has conquered it all. Do what Jesus did. Now I'm going to say another harsh thing. And before you write a letter (laughs) or an email, please hear me out. In order to follow Jesus and do what he did, we have got to give up our rights. Jesus emptied himself. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He became a servant of all. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now here's my disclaimer. I am a proud American. I am a patriot. I am a son of a father who served in Vietnam who has PTSD because of what he experienced. I'm in debt to every man and woman who have served our country and our country well. And I am forever in debt and will always respect and revere those who never made it home. We have freedoms that were built in this country that were based on the word of God. And I will fight to the death for those freedoms to worship God. But there are rights in this country that were never given rights from the kingdom of God. We cling to our rights. We cling to what we should have. When we follow Jesus, we die to the rights of this world. And now we have rights from the kingdom of God that rule the world, rights like we are ambassadors and we have authority over demons and principalities. We have authority over this dark world. We are light in darkness. We are ambassadors and we are God's plea of reconciliation to others. Those are our rights. All other rights must be crucified and laid down for the sake of Christ. I'd love to talk with you after. I'm not saying we're just to be sitting ducks. No, we're supposed to fight for truth and what's right. But we are to cling to the cross of Jesus alone. And when those rights begin begin to strip away, because the Bible says that all nations will crumble, that means the blessed United States of America. It's not our home, friends. But it's one of blessing that God has given us. And we are called to cultivate this country well.